Welcome to Wiffle's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wiffle. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to talk about a bunch of different topics related to the Milwaukee Bucks, the Milwaukee Brewers, and the Green and Gold in Green Bay. Our special guest today is my colleague from WafflesPressBox.com, Jerry Tapp, the one and only Jerry Tapp, the czar of stats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that nickname. You, you probably do stats in your wife, right? <laughs> uh, I do have some, but uh, she has asked me not to release them how, how many, public. How many times she has walked from one room to another <laughs> in under five minutes? <laughs> well, now that she has a Fitbit, she keeps stats on how many steps she does every day. So There you go. Yeah, I have to hear that. Does so. anybody ever call you Jerry Stats? You're the first one right. that's ever done that. <laughs> and the last one, hopefully. Huh? Probably. A couple things. You do some fantastic stuff for our Wolfles Press Box site. Get great Thanks. reviews from people all over the country about your stats, which are remarkable. And out of curiosity, how long have you been doing stats? I think I started doing stats probably back when I was in junior high. I actually started doing stats for the junior high football team. I was a manager for it at McKinley Junior High. In Racine. In Racine. And then my dad actually played softball and basketball, recreation league, city league, basketball and, and softball. And my dad taught me how to keep score when I was about eight or nine years old. So I was keeping score for, you know, these tavern league games. My dad actually played on a rec league basketball team. And that was when I was in high school. And I started keeping stats. And I like to say that my dad had the only team that had a statistician for a Racine <laughs> Recreation League basketball team. That is impressive. Back in the How 60s. many people in the country can say that? I don't know? think there are any that can say that. <laughs> wow, yeah. wow. So I've been doing it a long time. Exactly. And then you got an outstanding blog yourself, statsontap.com. And right. How often do you write for that? Uh, I, tr- I try to post maybe five or six times a week. Um, no, I used to, daily, yeah. yeah, I used to do it maybe once or twice, and then once you and I kind of hooked up with the press box, I really started noticing that I really like to research stuff on a daily basis, and kind of that's when the whole th- idea about the today's sports deck kind of came up. I thought it'd be kind of neat if I could do something every day. Didn't have to be real long, you know, maybe a couple hundred words long. Yeah, so I, I try to do maybe five or six times a week. And your stats have been published all over the country over the years. And yeah, I've been pretty fortunate. I started out Inside Sport Magazine. That was a great magazine. Yeah. I, I love that magazine. I used to do a lot of stuff for them on a monthly basis. And then Baseball Digest. I actually did a lot of stuff for the Racine Journal Times. I had my own column called <laughs> Stats on Tap at that time when uh, Gary D'Amato was the uh, sports editor at that time. And I used to publish, or I used to get it published every Friday. There, there, there would be a, a column there. You get a lot of hated emails like I do. Uh, I don't <laughs> of get, course, emails were. I, <laughs> I don't get half as much hate mail as you do. But <laughs> you don't even get one third of no. <laughs> no, I would get some really interesting comments that you know people would comment about you know what I wrote. But then after the Racine Journal Times, and I actually got the column nationally syndicated, and that went on for about a year or so, and then. After it was syndicated, then Washington Post picked it up for a while. So. See, now you missed your calling with, with all the analytics and sports. Yeah. 
baseball, basketball, football, everybody's doing analytics. It's all about analytics, right? Right. Even though analytics have been around here a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when Dell Harris was the coach in the Milwaukee Bucks now. That was, what, in the 80s, I think? I think so, yeah. He told me he, he did analytics at that time, you right. know? And, and his son, Larry, who is now in the front office with the uh, champion Golden State Warriors, this guy's a math whiz. Yeah. And, and he was doing stuff, and, and I'm sure he's still doing it today with them. But yeah. it just seems like it's more complex and more sophisticated than before. I mean, it, it was rather rudimentary, you know, back in the 70s, yeah. 80s, 90s. And now it's almost insane, the numbers they oh, have. Oh, yeah. And I think years ago when I used to do it, it would be you, you get a copy of the that big baseball encyclopedia. Right. And the only way you could really do stats was to go through that or get the sporting news when the sporting news would run every Do you remember score. that? That was awesome, too. Yeah. I miss the good old days. Yeah. But now you've got sites like baseball, basketball, football reference.com, mm-hmm. a lot of these different, Elias Sporting, you know, Sports Bureau, a lot of those places, even that uh, Stats Inc., which is down outside of Chicago. I mean, you got all these companies that do all that stuff on a daily, hourly basis. So, yeah, yeah it's a lot different than, say, 30, 40 years ago. All right. Well, let's uh, delve into a couple of our topics here. Sure. The first one pertains to the Green Bay Packers, and unless you were living under a rock the last two or three weeks, they have made just a rash of different moves and some major moves. And the biggest one in my mind, well, outside the new GM, was uh, the hiring of Mike Pettin as the defense coordinator. And to me, this is a long time coming. I would have gotten rid of Capers several years ago. I remember a playoff game against Arizona. You probably remember this, too. The Cardinals got near the goal line, and... For whatever reason, Capers decides to have only two down linemen who weren't even down. They were standing up, right. and they ran an inside reverse to Larry Fitzgerald. And Larry Fitzgerald's, you know, at that time was one fast receiver, and he right. just basically walked in. And I'm thinking, like, you and I could have walked in. I mean, <laughs> and I, I'm not sure to this day what, you know, Dom Capers is trying to do in that situation, but that was one of many, many baffling moves by him. You know, I couldn't be happier from from a fa- if I'm quote a fan to say, hey, they need a new defense coordinator, somebody to shake it up. Your thoughts? I, I would agree with that. I, I think I spend some time like reading, like the the Packer fan blogs and Facebook uh-huh. pages and stuff like that. I think probably going back to a couple of years, you could see that the fan base wanted a different person in charge of the defense. Whether or not you could say that. It was Capers' fault and that maybe the game had passed him by or the talent wasn't there. I think a lot of times, I think he became kind of the crux of the problem. And so how do you fix the problem other than getting better players in there? The the defensive coordinator had to take some of the blame for that. Whether his schemes were different, out of date, I really don't know. I just think it had to happen. I don't think he could have lasted another year with the way things were going. Yeah, exactly. And in fairness to Capers, a couple things. One, Clay Matthews, who is paid an exorbitant amount of money, has not been worth his money for the last several years now. I mean, he'll make a play and then disappear for the next right. 10 or 12 plays. He had a couple of really good games this year, no question about it. One game, multiple sacks. But he has been a tremendous disappointment in my mind. And the other thing is he's hurt. You just can't rely on him. It's right. from season to season. There's always something going on with Clay Matthews. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, Nick Perry is, is a talented outside linebacker as well. But he's been banged up too. So 
Uh, you would think that they would address defense in the draft, maybe defense in free agency, which leads us to the new GM. As you well know, Ted Thompson was the previous GM, and Ted did a lot of wonderful things. I thought he did, some, you know, made some incredibly good draft picks. I mean, the selection of Aaron Rodgers will go down as one of the iconic draft picks. <laughs> I mean, here's the guy, you know, passed over by basically everybody, and the Packers get him. Thompson had the foresight to take him, but the uh, new GM that'll be coming in, mm-hmm. I really think Gutekunst is going to use free agency, whereas Ted Thompson didn't. I think that's another thing that I saw from the Facebook pages and also from the fan sites is that the fans and I think the Packer faithful, they want to see them dive into free agency. Because to watch the new GM come out and sign like, what, 10 guys? Yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll be putting in the Packer Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting that his first uh, move was to sign another running back. Good call. But, but yeah, yeah I, I think the fan base wants better defensive players. Whether it's going to happen through the draft mm-hmm. is anybody's guess. Look at the, the New Orleans Saints. They were able to have an outstanding draft, both offensively and defensively. And there's probably a good chance that the Saints are going to go to the Super Bowl. Absolutely. I, I totally that. In fact, that's who I picked to go to the Super Bowl yeah, with the Patriots. Too. Although I, I think diversion a little bit here. I think Pittsburgh is going to go. In. How long have been, uh, for whatever reason, there's something about Tom Brady that I didn't like. I saw a couple games late in the season, and for the first time, I really thought he was old. He was looking old. Yeah. So, anyways. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, the Packer draft is going to be very interesting. I wrote a piece about a week or so ago saying this was right before Thompson got fired. And I said it was written in terms of Thompson being the GM. And I said, hey, you know the Packers have the 14th pick. It wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities if they looked long and hard at the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I got a bunch of different people, you know, that were definitely upset with that because they didn't think it was happening. But then I went on to point out that this is a quarterback-rich draft, number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, when they drafted Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre was 36. Aaron Rodgers is going to be 35 this season. Right. So, I mean, it's just a one-year gap. So, who knows? I think they will uh, try to address the defensive side of the ball. By the way, was that your agent? <laughs> I, I don't have an agent. <laughs> Maybe it was Ted Thompson. He didn't like something he said. It I could know. be. Either that or it might be uh, my agent negotiating my contract with Wolfo's press box. Uh, moving along. <laughs> moving along. <laughs> no, I, I think they have to go on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they were lucky enough to get a couple of running backs that I think are – are going to be good running backs, so I don't think they need to do that. But as far as a blanket statement about the Packers, they've got to work on depth because every time somebody got hurt, whoever they put in, there seemed to be a distinct downplay in terms of the quality there. So I think quality in the depth department is definitely going to be something they're going to have to address. And again, free agency and draft are going to be probably the biggest two ways to do that. Okay, let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks. A lot of people would say, hey, we should move on with Jason Kidd as coach. This team, at least from my perspective, has underachieved. I'm not saying, hey, they should be going to the NBA Finals. I'm not saying they should go to the Eastern Conference Finals, much less win it. But this team, in my mind, should win at least the opening round series and get to the second round. And right now you look at it, they're just radically inconsistent. You, You see them play 
at a championship level on some nights, and then you see them playing at a G yeah. League level on another night. Your thoughts on uh, the Bucks? I don't watch the Bucks as much and pay attention to them as much as you do. Let's hope not. <laughs> and you're a lucky man for that, too. <laughs> but the times I do, it, it does seem like there are a lot of times when they kind of play down to their competition, you know, whoever they're playing that night. And then, again, there's times when they are playing some of the more elite teams, and they're fun to watch. And then there's times when they're playing the lower half of the league, of those teams, and you just sit there and, and wonder, what the heck is going on here? Mm-hmm. So... I, I agree with you. I, I think they are a playoff team. I think they're good enough to where they should win the first round. I don't know if they're at a level of Cleveland, Boston, and Toronto. Totally agree. I don't, I don't totally know if they agree. can kind of fit into that, one of the top four or five teams. But to your point about addressing maybe some of the draft, or I'm sorry, the um, potential trade possibilities. Sure, February 8th is the deadline. Yeah. It's kind of a big question mark. Can they get somebody like a DeAndre Jordan? Mm-hmm. Uh, can they pick up another shooter? Sure. Or are they going to be okay with just with this, you know, roster they have right now? I don't know. I, I don't know enough about their GM to know is he kind of the guy that is going to pull the trigger? You can probably answer it better. Than yeah, I mean, there's always been a lot of you know speculation as to who's really going to show up there. I mean, personally, I, I think it's been Jason Kidd from day one. Mm-hmm. And it continues to be, even though John Horst is the GM, I'm sure he, he makes the final call now. But at the same time, Jason Kidd, you know, wanted DJ Wilson in the draft. So who did they select? It was DJ Wilson. So, right. you know, Jason Kidd has wanted Eric Bledsoe for a long time. So who do they go out and trade for? Eric Bledsoe. But again, they're at a point where they're just, you know, a run-of-the-mill team. I mean, this is Kidd's fourth year with the team, number one. I mean, they should be much better, in my opinion, than they are. Overall, I just after four years, this team uh, should be playing at a higher level, a more consistent level, without a doubt. Right. It's going to be very interesting to see, you know, where they go with this. I mean, he, he's very tight with some of the owners, mm-hmm. and that's uh, been been a safety net for him yeah. because last year he became close to being fired. So yeah, we'll I, we'll see where this goes. Well, I think to your point also about Jason Kidd. Let's just say that Jason Kidd is not the right person. You know the temperature of the team, the mm-hmm. kind of players they have. Who could they bring in? Who would they want to bring in? Do they need somebody yeah, who's yeah. A, a tough taskmaster? Do they need somebody who's more of a, you know, uh, buddies with the players? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they yeah, need. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, at this point, I mean, they, they making a change at this point of the season is kind of useless, you know, because yeah. you're just going to promote an assistant coach. Uh, Sean Sweeney has been talked about quite a bit. I think eventually he's going to be a head coach, whether it's here or somewhere else. But uh, you're not going to be able to bring in a coach from another team, you know, especially somebody that's well-respected. Most organizations aren't going to say, hey, okay, you, you can leave our team and go become the coach of the Bucks, Right. And we're going to be going to the playoffs. You know, that's not going to happen. So they, they would have to wait till the off season. And I, I definitely have some people in mind. And I think, you know, if that – bridges ever to be crossed. I'll, I'll be more than happy to help the Bucks pick their coach. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd probably be a good choice to help them with that. Hey, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> well, you know, and it's. I think I did a blog about it many, many months ago, but I think it's been a long time since the Bucks have even won a playoff series. You know, so... Oh, it has been. You exactly. Know, to, to advance... 2001. Yeah. You know, back to the uh, George Carl days. Right, and I think, if I'm not mistaken... 
probably 28 or 29 of the other NBA teams have all won a playoff series. I think the Bucks might be the last one to have won in a long time. So well, I think that's – well, sorry to interrupt you, but I think that's where the fan base is upset. Exactly. Like, okay, you're a run-of-the-mill team, an average team that maybe gets to the playoffs. Right. Sometimes, maybe it doesn't. Yeah. And then when you do get to the playoffs, you're bounced. And again, this this is the fourth year of the new regime. Mm-hmm. And I, I can only speak based on the calls, the emails I get from people. Fan base is upset already. Yeah, I just don't think it can continue. There has to be a time when winning a playoff series is important. I know it's important, but the fact that they haven't done it in so long, it's almost as if, oh, okay, well, we'll just kind of go along and mm-hmm. whatever happens, happens. Oh, yeah, we've got a, a player in the Greek freight that everybody loves, and it's it's all great. But eventually, they're going to have to start seeing playoff wins. Well, abs- absolutely. And if they don't get to the second round, I mean, if I'm running the show for the Bucks, I'm waiting until the season's over. Absolutely. And then if you need a new coach, if you need to bring in another player, you do it during the offseason, you generate a buzz going into the new Arena, right? You don't want to go into the new arena just because you're going to go into a new arena. You want to give people a reason to go to that new arena, yeah, and see a good product. Absolutely. So, I mean, timing's impeccable. So, I would wait until after the season, and then if if it means a new coach, another player or two, so yeah. be it. I, I think the problem with that, Gary, is that with the new arena, and I saw this at Miller Park. You get a new stadium, Miller Park. And everybody's excited and everybody wants to go because it's brand new and there's an excitement there. It's almost as if the quality of the play on the field for those first couple of years doesn't matter. matter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, You're you're probably right. And my fear is that it's going to be that way with the Bucs, is that they're going to get this new arena. Everybody's going to be excited. At least Bucs fans are going to be excited. And the quality of the team is not going to be as important. That's the only fear I have as far as them moving forward. And I fully agree with that, but if I'm the Bucks ownership and I want to win, I go out and make those moves this offseason and say, hey, we're, we're starting anew. Yeah. We're in a new building. We're, we got a new fresh start here. I mean, when they came in here, it was about the future is now. So they're right. Right, with all these young people. Well, all those young players are old players now. <laughs> they're right. they're veterans. Yeah. And, and a lot of those young players didn't pan out. They're with different teams or whatever. So, But yeah, they, to me, they got to generate a buzz and but you're talking about Miller Park. That's probably a good time to segue into the Brewers situation. And I can honestly say <laughs> the Brewers exceeded my expectations beyond my imagination last year. I thought they were going to be god-awful. Yep. And uh, tip of the hat to Craig Council and to the Brewers. You know, and everybody's giving David Stearns all these pats on the back. And I'm going, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I like they brought in uh, – Travis Shaw. I thought that was a great move, okay? Yeah. Uh, totally. But all these other moves, I, I'm sorry. Uh, nothing's blowing me away to no. say, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be all of a sudden pennant contenders. And I don't want to keep dwelling on this, but it seemed like everything fell into place for the Brewers last year. I mean, yeah. everything, just about, with the exception of Braun not having a very good year. But yeah. other than that, it, it seemed like all the pieces fell into place and they had a terrific year. Yeah. I think going back to your um, original statement, I remember you and I having a conversation. <laughs> I'll bet you did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, about it was year, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, about a year ago, and we talked about this, and you asked me what did I think was going to happen yeah. with the Brewers, and I said I thought that they had the capacity to get to 500. I right. mean, you figure they went from 
68 wins in what 2015 to 73 in 2016. And I, I thought 81 wins was a legitimate possibility for last season. And I remember when I told you, I thought I think they could play 500. I remember you kind of rolled your eyes. And <laughs> That's and, usually, I do that. People have pointed that out. If, if I don't agree with them, I roll my eyes. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah I think you rolled your But I was surprised that they won more than 81 games. They won 86. And so they obviously won 13 more than the previous year. But you're absolutely right. The problem that they're going to have going into the 2018 season is the question marks, Travis Shaw. Did he just have a career year, and, and can he sustain it for, for this coming season? I mean, you can go around every position, and you can say whether or not this guy had a career year or not so much. I mean, look at Jonathan VR Back in 2016, he had a great year. Mm-hmm. And then they got rid of Scooter Jeanette because they basically right. handed right. the second baseman job to VR. So what happens, VR has a down season. Jeanette goes to the Reds and had a was, fabulous season. Yeah, I mean, he had, had a game where he hit four home runs. And, and it's funny because nobody says that about Sturts, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> they let him go. Right. But. So I think if you kind of take a step back and look at the team as a whole, there are a lot of great elements of that team. I mean, um, you know, kind of just to throw a stat out there, last year was a... I would have been absolutely disappointed and shocked <laughs> and dismayed if you didn't throw a stat in here. Well, I'll throw one out here now. The 2017 Brewers were the first team in baseball history... This team this past this season. This past okay. season. The first team in history... For strikeouts? ...to have seven <laughs> players with 10 home runs and 10 stolen bases, at least. The first time in the history of baseball? The first time. The most that a team had 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 been six players. The Brewers had seven. Their whole outfield, Braun, Broxton, and Santana, all were 10 and 10 right. or more. Yeah. And then you had Travis Clark, um, Shaw. Travis Shaw, Arcia, the shortstop. And then you had Hernan Perez and Jonathan Villar. All of them had at least 10 home runs. And at least 10 stolen bases. Broxton. Uh, I love that stat. That's yeah. awesome. And Broxton. Broxton you know what? If I'm the Brewers, I, I go and sell that. You know, and well, say, hey, this is our team. We got some versatility well, here. And-, and and I think, you know, again, that's a great stat. But but let's look at the flip side of that. They led the, the National League in home runs and stolen bases. They were the only team that had over 200 homers and 150 stolen bases. Here's the problem. They also led the National League in strikeouts. There you go. I, so, I thought that was going to be the first answer yeah. to the first day. Okay. So, I mean, you can you can take all the good stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at it from the pitching standpoint. You had pitchers like Davies and Chase Anderson, mm-hmm. who did great as far as starters. But you know what? The Brewers had the worst fielding team. So, I mean, you take all the positives and you line them up, and there's unfortunately seems to be a little too many negatives that are just at the other extreme of the of the equation. You know, the, the other thing that kind of uh... – I'm not going to say it upsets me because not too many things upset me anymore <laughs> when you get to our, our stage in life, right? Yes. But anyways, I've been told that the Brewers were like in a rebuild mode, that they wanted to play the young players. Mm-hmm. It's all about, you know, starting over basically. And yet two of their moves in recent weeks have been for two washed-up pitchers, Giovanni Gallardo, who we're all very familiar with, age 31, okay? And he was 5-10. and 10. Mm-hmm. With a 5.7 ERA last year. Yeah. The year before, he was 6-8. and eight. 
and uh, I think his ERA was over five again. Washed up, okay? And then the other guy they got was uh, Boone Logan, who they just got the other day, and he's 33. And I think he was he had like a 4.70 ERA last year. He's got a career 4.5 ERA. Yeah. And I said, okay, am I missing something? <laughs> Are they becoming the Milwaukee Bucks? Like, say, yeah, we're going to go young, and then all of a sudden, after a year or two, they decide to uh, change course? I think part of, I guess if I'm answering that question, part of the problem or part of the reason, I think, for that is you lost a couple of relief pitchers, and then you lost Jimmy Nelson for a period of time as a starter. Correct. Do you have somebody that can fit into the Jimmy Nelson spot? And this is going to be at Gallardo. And I'm thinking that the reason for the signing is that they're not convinced that Brent Suter or Junior uh, Guerra are good enough to fill um, Jimmy Nelson's shoes for that period of time. I totally agree with that, too. But these guys? Yeah. (laughs) I think that they're figuring, they're they're looking at what's a cheap way or inexpensive (laughs) way to maybe, you know, maybe they think they can get lightning in a bottle with Gallardo for half a season. I think that's what they're thinking. Yeah, yeah, and your points are all valid. I mean, they they make total sense. Yeah. But at the same time, if I'm on board with Brewers doing this uh, massive makeover, don't you roll the dice on maybe some pitcher that's 23, 24, 25, maybe had arm problems, teams are giving them up. I mean, I I look at youth. I mean, I stick with that blueprint. Well, see, I I thought you were going to go to the whole Ryan Braun topic. Well, we could do that too. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, I, I think what I would, how I would answer that with Ryan Braun is, I think they've got, um, with Santana and Broxton, mm-hmm. now, there's been a lot of discussion over the winter that both of them have been trade bait, and that the San Francisco Giants are, are interested in both of them. Now, I don't know if either one of them or both of them are going to be in Milwaukee on opening day. Who are the two guys? Domingo Santana, yeah, sure, right yeah. fielder, right, and right. Ian yeah. Broxton. Sure, okay. Well, you've got Brett Phillips and you've got Lewis Brinson that came up. And Brett Phillips had a nice season. Do you like him? You're, you're, I, I do you're, like You him. are usually good at hitting on guy, young no, guys coming up. I, I do like him, and I think he'll eventually be – I don't know if he'll be their center fielder, but he certainly has the skills to be. And Brinson is probably their number one prospect <laughs> as an do you, outfielder. Do you like Brinson? I do, but unfortunately, when you when you come up and his batting average last year was barely, I think he 120. Was, he was abysmal. Yeah, it was terrible. So I, I guess my point though to the Braun situation is, I think if Brett Phillips and Brinson and Broxton and Santana, if you see all of them in spring training really do well, I wouldn't be surprised at that time if Braun starts to get shopped. I totally agree. I would have shot Braun as soon as he was involved in his little uh, scandal a couple of years ago. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was I was a huge Braun fan. In fact, at that juncture, or prior to that juncture, he was probably my favorite player of all time. Yeah. I lost all faith right. in that man, uh, all, all respect yeah. for throwing this guy under the bus, for a guy who's just simply doing his job. Right. And, and then I, I, I'm equally upset that Brewer management would say, hey, we're going to stick with this guy, you know? Yeah. And this talk that they couldn't trade him. I mean, yeah. everybody's got an excuse, whether it was his contract or whatever, his injuries. If they wanted to get rid of a player, I've been around sports long enough. You want yeah. to get rid of a player, you can get you rid can of think. a player. But they didn't get rid of Braun. And, and I, I, I'll, I'll go on record that they do not ever get rid of Braun because he's too 
tied to the owner. You could be right, Gary. I, I was surprised that they didn't get rid of Braun a couple years ago when he was within striking distance of Robin Young's club record for home runs. There you go. I told somebody at that time, I think before that season started, I said, you know, Braun has a chance to pass Young. And because of the high regard that Yount has held within the organization. My philosophy at that time was they're not going to let Braun break Robin Yount's record. And so they're going to get rid of him before he has a chance mm-hmm. to. But obviously, he stayed on the roster. He broke the record. He's still on the roster. I don't know. Maybe he will end his career with the Brewers. Who knows? Maybe he starts. You know, he's not going to get a lot of playing time in spring training. I don't think. I mean, typically guys like Braun don't play a lot well, what, in the spring. Well, wasn't train. that the case last year? That, yeah. that you know, he, he went along that theory and he still had a horrible year. I mean, by his standards. Yeah. yeah. So I, I guess I don't know what the trigger point is for the Brewers to say, okay, we, we want to, to your point, we want to get back to that youth movement and we want to give these four outfielders, Santana, Brinson, Broxton, and Phillips. We want to give them ample playing time because if you're going to go with the youth movement, these guys have to play. I don't think they're going to do any good either sitting on the bench or maybe going back for another year of AAA. I think all of them have shown they can play, especially Phillips and Brinson, who played in AAA last well, year. Well, I mean, and that's another thing in regard to Braun. I think the Brewers missed a golden opportunity. They could have traded him two years and got a ton for him. Probably. And, and if it would have meant paying for part of his salary to move him, so be it. Yeah. At least you'd have a couple really good young prospects going forward. I guarantee you they're not going to get anything close to being great anymore. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he's, he's been injury prone again. He's coming off a bad year, yeah. his age, you know, and he's still got that reputation out there. I mean, around yeah. – it's funny because fans around – the country boom more oh, absolutely which isn't surprising i mean miller right. miller fans are yeah miller, miller ballpark fans are faithful so i think what's going to happen is he if the brewers do entertain trade possibility for him mm-hmm. it's probably going to be during spring training or early in the season if some contending team ends up losing a power hitting outfielder and they need to replace them and maybe it's one of those high market teams like the Dodgers, the Yankees, who are willing to pay over got to have a, at least a hundred more million available, right? <laughs> yeah, you would think so. Which is interesting, though, if you think about it. You know, look at the Yankees actually went to their farm system last year and had a couple guys come up that had great seasons. They sure. didn't trade for those guys, right that, right? that hit all those home runs. Those are their you know farm hands that did that. So. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, it was an absolute pleasure to have you here. And, uh, Thank hopefully, you. Hopefully we can do some more. And I think next time we get together, we're going to break down five teams that Gary Wolfel wants Braun traded to. <laughs> <laughs> you come up with your I five, think, I'll come up with my five. I and, think it would be fairly easy to do that. <laughs> yeah, again, thank you very much Thanks, for uh, coming on board. And, Appreciate uh, it. Thank you. It was uh, fun. Thank you for uh, listening as well. Have a good one. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WooflesPressBox.com.